Today I want to talk about uh, you having a good life. Well, no, I want to talk about something else, but I want to start with that so that you're, so that you're all tuned in. Yeah, I want a good life. Yeah. yeah, we know you do. This is going to be the how to get a good life. How to have a good life. You, you know the scripture. You know that God said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end or a future and a hope. And then you shall go and pray unto me and call upon me. And, and, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. So he's got a plan for you. And you can sense that. And everybody wants to know the plan. Everybody wants to, to see that God's involved in something good for them. And, and it's all true. It's all true. So let's fast forward through all that because you already know it's all true. You already know God's for you. You already know God's got a plan for you. You already know that all things are possible with God. So let's fast forward through that. And I want to show you a little how-to today. And the how-to involves this one big word called conscience. 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 I don't think we hear enough preached about conscience. But we do hear because I know that that invisible thing and that, that little word is where it all starts. <clears throat> Acts chapter 24. I want you to follow a man of God who had some great success. Uh, so let me ask you this. Who's our best Christian example in the Bible. That's a trick question. Doesn't matter what you answer. So Jesus is our very best example. But, but listen, since he was also God, sometimes it's tough for people to see themselves like him. Just when it gets, you know, you're doing pretty good, you realize, well, that was Jesus though. Somebody says, be like Jesus. Yeah, but he was the son of God. Well, you're the son of God. You're adopted son, and you're supposed to be like him, so you can. So Jesus ultimately is number one, but then Paul is a close second. And why I say that is because Paul wrote more than two-thirds of the New Testament. So he is a, he's our best successful Christian following Jesus example that we have in the whole Bible. Is that fair? Now, Peter's good and John's good and all that, but Peter wrote more and said more, so he, he expressed his heart about serving God and walking with God and walking by faith, and I finished my course and I've kept the faith, all those things. So Paul is one that you and I need to follow. So I want you to listen. When you read the New Testament, I want you to watch his words and just kind of hone in on the phrases he used and the, the emphasis he placed on certain things. You'll, you'll find great spiritual development if you can follow some of those phrases. You even see some prayers that Paul prayed. Follow some of the, the depth of that and the heart of that and the spiritual reality of that. But here I want you to see how Paul thought. This is, what he, this is how he was presenting his ministry and the gospel and all this. So here he is. He's uh, tried before Felix, the governor. So he's, he's defending the faith, he's defending his ministry to people that don't understand anything about anything. But this is what he says, verse 15. He says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Stop there. I wanted you to see that. Paul said, I always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. What does that mean? Well, it means several things. Number one, you can't be offended at people. Let me hear the back row say, that's right. You can't be offended at people. You can't let people offend you. You can't let your feelings get hurt every other day. You can't feel disrespect. They, they disrespected me. So what? They didn't, they didn't, they don't think, so what? Who cares? Well, they don't think of me right. Well, it, listen, they're probably not thinking about you at all. You, you'd be surprised how little people actually think of you. you. You need two or three or four friends that think about you. Nobody else thinking about you. <clears throat> 
so be void of offense toward people. Don't, don't let people offend you. Don't be offended at people. Don't be offended with what you hear in the pulpit. Don't be offended. Come on. Nor to God. Some people live their whole Christian life offended at God. They're upset with some prayer that he didn't seem to answer, or that their life didn't turn out like, well, God, if you love me. And they get this silent grudge that they don't want to admit. They don't want to open that door and really talk about it. So they just keep the grudge against God locked up for decades. Silently, secretly mad at God and offended at God for usually an unanswered prayer or a lot, their lot in life. Or some people get offended at God for somebody else's sake. I'm mad at God for what he didn't do for them. Listen, you're going to ruin your whole life if you live like that. And so what I want you to do is strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. There's also the aspect of you striving to have a conscience that's clean. Let's just say it that way. Strive to have a conscience that's clean. Have you strived for that? The moment you get born again, there's this call in you to strive to keep your conscience secure. Okay? Now, I'm gonna, we're going go to go through this so you understand what that really means. But Paul said, I'm striving to have a conscience without offense. Acts chapter 23, verse 1. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, he's before a different council. Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, and he's preaching. He's preaching to these council members, these kings, these leaders, because God said, I'm going to put you before kings. Not so you can change the way they do government, but so you can preach the gospel to them. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Wait a second. Is he lying? No. No, he's not lying. He said that by the Holy Spirit. He lived in all good conscience before God until this day. That's a goal for you and I. Did anybody make that goal for the, the new year? How, how is your, your resolution list going? Y'all are thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot. What, what, what did I say I was going to do this year? You don't even remember it. Because you don't live life like that. That's not how you live life. You don't live life by setting goals and then now I've got a new goal. You don't live life like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You've got to live life by disciplines. I'm just going to be disciplined today. I'll be disciplined today based on some things I know to do today. Uh, so, so in any case, conscience should be on your list if you have a list. To live in all good conscience. And so what this means is for a spiritually successful person which Paul was, uh, and to follow him, you're going to have to live in all good conscience. If you really want to please God, it's not what you wear, it's not the acc accolades, it's not what people see, uh, it's not what you see in the mirror, it's your conscience. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I thought it was good too. We could just quit now if you want. I'll quote you this one from 2 Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Just a little terminology. I serve God with a pure conscience. Now, when you get born again, you're supposed to have this as your governor. All of a sudden now, you have a um, thermometer. We could say it that way, maybe a gauge. You get born again, your, your spirit comes alive and your conscience is the voice of it. When you're born again, your spirit comes alive unto God. Now your conscience can actually be trusted. Everybody has a conscience. Even sinners have a conscience. But they're sleepy. They kind of know what's right and wrong deep down, but they're so sleepy about it. Until they get born again, they're not awake enough to listen to their conscience. So your spirit man knows what's right and real. Your conscience is the voice to your brain. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. This is one of the reasons why we like to get children saved at an early age. Some people have said in the past, oh, don't let a child receive Christ early and, and don't let them get baptized in water because they don't know what they're doing. Blah, 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 blah. Wait a second, wait a second. No, no, no. You do not want to, you want a child to be awakened in his spirit as early as possible. 
So the question would be, God, what is the earliest age for a child to receive Christ? Well, the Bible doesn't say. I would say it's the moment they recognize that they want Jesus in their life. As soon as they say, I believe in Jesus, mommy, I want to be saved, daddy, I believe in Jesus, can I get baptized in water? As soon as they can say that with conviction, and it's, it's, it's kid conviction, you have to let them. You never tell a child no when they want to receive Jesus. Never. Don't say, well, you know, I did it when I was a kid and then I, my life got messed up, so I want my child to wait. Don't you dare. You're keeping a little one from him. He said it's better than a millstone be hung around your neck, throwing it. This is all Bible. So here's how it works. When a child is, now you don't want to encourage them too heavy because they want to obey mom and dad. So don't encourage them. You, you ready to receive Jesus? Don't do that. Don't do that. Just let them keep hearing the truth. Let them keep hearing the truth. And then let general altar calls be made here and in the children's church, however it may come. And then the child can willingly decide. So we've had children saved at five. I was saved at five years old. Five years old, I tugged on mommy's dress and said, mommy, I want Jesus in my heart. She stopped right there and helped me receive Christ. From that day forward, my conscience was alive. So I grew up with a, an alive spirit that knew right from wrong. My conscience alerted me right from wrong. Even without knowing all the rules and all the guidelines and all the instructions from mom and dad and God, my conscience knew. Or we could say my spirit knew and my conscience was alert enough to, to let me know. I could sense it. I knew it. I remember I had a cousin who got saved at seven, seven years old, and this is how it happened. There's a Baptist family. She got in trouble for something. She was sent to her room, and uh, don't come out until, I don't know what they said to her, but your punishment is to go to your room. Well, she comes out like five minutes later, and she says, I asked God to forgive me for what I did, and then I received Jesus into my heart. She got saved all by herself in her room because she was in trouble. And she's still born again today. We've had children saved at four, even, even maybe a couple at three that we know of. Three years old? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Sorry they got a head start on you. It's a lot better when a child has a protector and a guide in their life. As frail as they may be and as hard as it may be and as imperfect as they may be, it's better to have a conscience that's alive unto God. So your conscience is in there, and uh, you don't want to be sleepy toward the Lord. Because if you're sleepy toward the Lord, you won't listen to your conscience. And if you keep not listening to your conscience, you'll be rough, you'll be hard, and you'll, you'll mess your life up. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. That's right before 2 Timothy. It's over there in the New Testament, near all the T's. If you find the T's, you're getting close. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, as I urged you, now Paul's writing this to Timothy. He says, I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Stop there for just a second. I think I mentioned this recently, but uh, genealogy tracing for spiritual reasons is off limits to you. It don't matter where you came from to God because uh, you came from him. Once you're adopted and born again, he's your father. That's the only genealogy you need to be concerned with. No other genealogy in your natural life adds spiritual juice to anything. You need to know that. You're not more special if you were born in Europe Middle East, Africa, Australia, Antarctica. Antarctica. Well, I'm the great-great-grandchild of a preacher. So? Well, my uncle, he was a pastor. That doesn't do anything for you. Now, unless, unless he had a part in raising you. Unless he told you truth, now telling you hearing truth from family members is a different story. That's great. But your bloodline doesn't matter and your, their anointing doesn't pass down to you 
by default, Jesus gives anointing. Each, each anointing is separate and unique for you and you and you. It doesn't come in the bloodline, in the family. I know some people that have felt guilty for a long time because their parents were in the ministry and they're not. And they're confused the rest of their life thinking, I, I thought, it was, you know, they don't have anybody to pass it down. I guess I'm supposed to be a pastor. Oh, no, you're not. Not if the Lord Jesus hadn't called you. Because the callings and elections of God are separate and distinct for each individual. No longer is everybody a Levite just because you're born in the tribe of Levi. It's a false doctrine that people have tried to bring into Christianity. It should have ended at the cross. Paul's addressing it right here. Don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. King James says, faith unfeigned. Don't be faking, don't be faking your walk with God. Notice what it says. The purpose of the commandment. I thought the purpose of the commandment is just to obey God better. No, the purpose of the commandment is not just more surface obedience. We could pull the whips out and crack them over you, try to make you obey better. That's not the purpose of the commandment. The purpose of the commandment is so that the love of God can permeate your spirit. Love from a pure heart. From a good conscience. All of a sudden now the purpose of the commandment has this idea of a good conscience. So don't be trying to fake your Christianity. Your conscience has to stay clean. Your conscience has to be pure and stay uh, secure. So you're in charge of, of knowing what your conscience feels like, thinks, and does. Okay, so you need to get familiar with your conscience. That's really one of the first uh, lessons that a new Christian needs is instead of, okay, now can, can, Christians, can Christians still go to the bar? Can, can, can we still do, do, can we still go? Can, can we still, look, Christians ask that. I'm, I'm not really, babies do all sorts of stuff, right? But don't answer that for them. I'm not here to give you a new rule book. I'm here to get you alive unto God. I'm here to get you pure on the inside with a good conscience that you can trust. And I want you to be guided by that conscience for the rest of your life. The Lord will show you things. Holy Spirit lives with your spirit. They're partners together. Holy Spirit and your spirit connected. You're you in union with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus and God. That I would be in you and I pray that they would be in, in us and we would all be one. So you are one with the Holy Ghost inside. Your spirit is one with God and Jesus. And, and, and you're, you're united and so the Holy Spirit is in there and he's trying to inform your spirit where to go, what to do, what not to do. And then your spirit is supposed to relay that to your mind. How does he do it? Through your conscience. So whether it's your own spirit that knows right from wrong or whether it's the Holy Spirit that's nudging you in a moment, it's your conscience that needs to tell you. Are you going to listen? Your conscience can stop you from saying wrong things, going wrong places, neglecting thing. Your conscience can do everything for you if you'll listen to it. <clears throat> so you need to strive to have a pure conscience. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. Listen, if you don't obey your conscience, you'll get deceived and start doing weird religious stuff. You'll fall into flaky Christianity and wrong religion, really, and unscriptural lifestyle if you don't keep your conscience pure and if you don't honor it as he leads you through the truth. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, I mean, even today you got... People have been uh, weird for thousands of years, you know. Sinners have been weird for thousands of years. Christians are weird for thousands of years. Everybody's, they've been, humans have been weird for a long time. But with social media, now we all know how weird and who is weird. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now it's just so quickly in your face, you don't have to go 10 years before you hear some weird doctrine. It's out there today. 
But this is where it goes south. It goes south when people can't do things with an honest conscience. And they get lured into some false doctrine simply by overemphasizing one half of a scripture somewhere or something like that. And so you got to be careful about these uh, current day prognosticators about everything under the sun. Uh, a lot of them have uh, strayed and turned to idle talk. First Timothy chapter one, look at verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. Listen, if you don't keep your conscience protected and honored, you'll shipwreck your faith. You got it? Your conscience is very, very important to you. You need to be thinking about your conscience quite often. Everybody say it out loud. Say, conscience. conscience. I must detect it. I must, detect I must listen to it. Listen to it's it. telling me right from wrong. It's showing me the way to go. Conscience, conscience, conscience. I want you to be conscious of your conscience. Listen, this is how you're governed. Like, you know, who, who's your governor? Who's telling you what to do on a daily basis? Who's your governor? Are we having an election soon? No, I'm talking about your daily personal governor needs to be the Holy Ghost who is informing you through your conscience. So here's the deal. If you will start obeying your conscience in the little things, the Holy Spirit voice will get louder and louder for you. The real leading of God for the success of your life will get louder and louder and more clear if you will start practicing obeying your conscience. I would say it this way, don't violate your conscience. Don't, don't neglect your conscience. Don't quench the spirit similar to don't violate your conscience. Amen. Y'all tell me when we're done enough that you got it all. You just tell me. Do the wave or something. Uh, having a pure conscience is actually a qualifier for church leadership. One of the qualifications for deacons, they must have a pure conscience. Turn to John chapter 8. Uh, one way that your conscience keeps you safe and in the will of God is uh, when you know Scripture. Like you need to know Scripture so your conscience can alert you easier. The quicker you can learn God's Word, the quicker your conscience has strength. John chapter 8. Some people think that the Holy Spirit is your... Uh, like he's, he's slapping you all the time. Well, God slapped me today. And eh, not really. It was your own conscience. He's in there, so he's keeping you in the truth, but it's your conscience that's actually telling you. John chapter 8, verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they set their heart... When they set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that we should stone this woman. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. Do you all know what he was writing? Of course not. Of course not. How could you know what? It doesn't say what he wrote. How in the world could you possibly know what he wrote? So there's no reason for preachers to be guessing. Here's what he wrote. You dodo. Doesn't say that. Don't be doing that. Well, God told me that this is what he said. This is what he wrote. No, no, you cannot. That is illegal to do. You're not allowed to say God told me that's what this means unless there's two or three other places that corroborate it. Don't do that. That's how people mislead others and create sensationalism and Ooh, he had revelation from God. Don't do that. You don't know what he wrote. But I think he wrote. That's just as bad. That's just as dumb. It's like the people that say, now I know. Wait a second, do I have time to meddle? 
Pastor Johnny's not here. I can meddle at least 60 seconds. That's like people that, that's like people that say, uh, I, I, now I know we're not, that no man knows the day or the hour that Jesus is coming. But I believe that if you look at the stars and if you look at the calendar, and especially the Jewish calendar, I, I believe it could be the fall of 2020. And usually they lose me as soon as they say, but. I know we're not, nobody knows the time, but you just lost me. And I've heard like really famous preachers do that. And I'm like, oh gosh, please don't do it. Just hush. Hope, hope the electricity goes off before you, before you put your words out there, some dumbness. Think of all the predictions that have happened from the beginning of time. And in modern day, stuff was supposed to happen last year. 2017, 2018, 2015, 2020, 2012, the Mayan calendar craze. Stuff's supposed to have been happening all this time. Christians wasted a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of, and they just look stupid. Your conscience will keep you from looking so stupid. And the, pro the problem is they never come back to the pulpit, the same pulpit and say, I am so sorry for being so stupid. No, we got to all deal with it. We just ignore like they didn't say it, which, okay, fine, we're supposed to cover a multitude of sins. But when it comes from a pulpit, it would bear uh, some real fruit if you would come out and say, you know what? I just blew this thing. I violated my conscience. I disobeyed scripture. I made a guess at when Jesus was coming. I don't know if I'm making any friends today or a bunch of enemies. <laughs> But I think, you know, somebody's got to say something. Somebody's got to say it. It's ridiculous if we can't say what's right and real. <clears throat> okay, so here we are. Where are we? John chapter 8. <clears throat> he was writing in the sand with his finger. What was he writing? We don't know. <laughs> so when they continued asking him, he uh, raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in the midst. And he said, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, no one, he has no one condemned you. She said, uh, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So notice two things. He said, I don't condemn you. So this message is not about you being condemned by God. God is not condemning you regarding your sin. Neither do I condemn you. Now, now don't sin anymore. Go and don't sin anymore. So God wants us to not sin. He's not doing it by condemning you. He knows your shortcomings. He's not condemning you for them. Okay? So if you're feeling condemned, it's either you doing it. Self-condemnation is bad. You're making yourself feel guilty for stuff. You, you really should give me a break. I feel so guilty. If I wouldn't have invited so-and-so over, they wouldn't have had a wreck. It's all my fault. That's ridiculous. Where's your logic? Don't you have any rationale? That doesn't make sense even to a heathen. But you've also self-condemned yourself on a bunch of your shortcomings. So condemnation either comes from you, which it shouldn't. You shouldn't condemn yourself. Or it comes from the devil but it never comes from God. The devil will sit there and condemn you and remind you and get you into false condemnation that you don't have any part in. But don't confuse it for, for your conscience convicting you. That's different. Your conscience is, is trying to help you, not make you feel bad. So when it alerts you and tickles you or scratches you or slaps you or whatever your conscience feels like in there, you'll get used to it. Obey it instantly. Obey it instantly. And what I mean by that is, you know a lot of scripture and you know what's right and, and true. So do that. Amen. And I'm talking about ba the basic stuff, the basic stuff in God's word. We could say ethical stuff. Like, did you do your taxes honestly this year? How honest were you on your taxes? <laughs> How many waitresses and waiters and tip receivers Come on, if you'll go all the way honest, go 100% honest, you'll feel so good inside. And when you start feeling good inside, you're close to God, you can feel it. And you'll receive the blessing. 
When your conscience gets clean, God gets involved. So be extra, extra ethical on everything, everything. Never manipulate, never trick, never bribe, never, never do the whole business trickery. I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting enough amens. <clears throat> and if you get a tax return, what are you going to do? Go on a cruise. <laughs> Romans 2.15 says, uh, has this statement, says their conscience bearing witness. Uh, based on actions and thoughts and words. It says, their conscience bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. Your conscience can either accuse you or excuse you. And let it be right and real. Be honest with your own conscience. Man, it'll just change your life. Okay, so remember the title of today or remember the premise of today was how to have a good life. If you'll start obeying your conscience, you'll have a good life. Amen. All the way to the, from the little things all the way to the big things, you'll have a good life. Like just the simple stuff, like the Sermon on the Mount, just go through there and do the basic stuff, right? Like if a friend asks you to go a mile, go two miles. Give, do a little extra when somebody asks you, right? We've got all sorts of commands, all sorts of instructions, how to live, how to be. Don't, don't violate your conscience. Uh, <clears throat> don't be offended. We already went through that. Forgive everybody. So that your heavenly father will forgive you. All that, all that little basic Christianity stuff. Don't violate your conscience. Paul used this language. He said, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Your conscience is important in bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. I mean, everybody thinks they're doing right. Every man is right in his own eyes. Proverbs says, every man is right in his own eyes. Everybody sits there feeling 100% right and justified in everything you're thinking and doing. And you could have heard a cotton ball drop in here. It's the truth. Everybody thinks they're perfectly right in everything they're... Listen, your conscience knows that you're not. Will you honor your conscience? That helps you say, I'm sorry. It helps you apologize. helps you repent. Helps you admit that your opinion's not necessarily the best. Helps you yield. Helps you consider people over yourselves rather than being so selfish. Uh, judging others' motives. Your conscience doesn't want you to judge others' motives. You have no idea. Discernment always turns into suspicion. I'm just discerning. I can tell that they just, I just know that they just, I know why they did that. I just, you don't have a clue. Let's go this far with your salvation. Your conscience has something to do with your salvation. Peter said something like this. He said, uh, baptism, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, not just cleaning your body and not just doing surface obedience doesn't save you. It says baptism does now save us. Not the putting away, not the cleaning your body, not the stopping some flesh activity, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Your salvation is all about your conscience toward God. What that means is, sure, you want to live a lifestyle that's right. So your conscience doesn't accuse you of sin all the time. But also your conscience needs to remind you that your faith is not in your behavior. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. So your conscience bears witness that because you're in Christ, you are born again and destined for heaven. It's your conscience that keeps you safe so that you don't start thinking, I committed the unpardonable sin. I committed the unpardonable sin. Oh, no. No, if you care about not committing the unpardonable sin, you have not committed it. But you have to honor your conscience. You have to let your conscience speak according to God's word. That we know we have eternal life. We know we have eternal life because we love the brethren. If you still have Christian love towards somebody, that's one first evidence I'm still saved. If you can look at a Christian and say, man, you're my brother, sister, I'm excited about it still. It's special still. That's the first sign. There's other signs. But your conscience needs to remind you that you're born again and a child of God regardless of how bad your month has been. Somebody says, yeah, what if it's been 10 years? 
Your conscience needs to know better. Your conscience needs to remind you the blood of Jesus has been paid once for you. And if you have received Christ, you are in him and cleansed and accepted by God. Now your conscience is going to have to lead you through all the affairs of life as well. Um, let me mention money because your conscience will help you do money right. Um, Billy Graham said this, he said, if a person gets his attitude toward money right, or gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. If your life is a mess, then the way you think about money is a mess. And so I combine that with what I always like to teach. Uh, what it means is <clears throat> how you think about money matters. This means how you limit the time you think about it. If you're thinking too much about money, you're not doing it right. How you never worry about it. If you worry about money, then you're not doing it right. And your conscience is trying to stop you from worrying about it. What is your conscience saying to you? It's saying, don't you worry. And then he's reminding you, your conscience is reminding you what the Holy Ghost already wrote in the Bible through Jesus' lips. Matthew chapter 6, basic Christianity, do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't take any thought saying, why would you worry, oh, you of little faith? Your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things. You're better than a flower. You're better than a bird. Why? The heathen are always worried. Why would you worry? So your conscience is trying to stop you from worrying. Are you going to obey? Are you going to keep on thinking too much about money and worrying about money and dreading the, pay, the bills and all that? Just simple stuff. See, your conscience needs to get involved. You need to let it. How you earn money needs to be right and honest. How you spend it, I'm not looking up. How you save and invest it. How you use it as a tool and not a comfort. Many people just want more money so they feel more comfortable and safe. I thought God was your protector. I thought he was your comforter. Don't let money turn out to be your comforter and your protector. How you give it, it's part of doing money right. How you return a portion of it back to God. And finally, how you keep yourself from loving it, how you keep yourself from chasing it, how you keep yourself, I mean, hey, look, you can be wealthy and you can be rich, but you cannot desire it and chase it. Rather than pursue wealth, you need to pursue the things that make for wealth. Pursue the things that are good works to accomplish and you'll see the wealth follow. Don't you dare pursue wealth. Don't be sitting there thinking, how can I get rich? Well, you just messed up everything. You might as well quit and go eat something. Well, I don't know. How can I get rich? I don't know. What, what video can I make? You just blew the whole thing. If you don't have good content to make a video of, forget the money. It's not about the money. It's about, are you doing anything good for people? Are you doing something good with your hands to, to help, to serve? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're almost done. 14 more scriptures. <laughs> Hate to bring the Bible into it and everything. Conscience. <clears throat> this is the result. 1 Timothy 4, this is the result of uh, not obeying your conscience. If you violate your conscience over and over and over and over and over again, guess what happens? Your conscience gets tired of you. Verse, four, uh, verse 1, 1 Timothy 4, 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Look, if you disobey your conscience enough, you'll, you'll have a scar that, that'll be so numb you can't listen anymore. And this is where Christians get into a rut where they think they can just keep on, keep on sinning, keep on neglecting, keep on sinning. I'm fine, I'm fine, I can do whatever I want. You know, the grace of God, the grace of God. Uh, and then all of a sudden their conscience is so scarred that they don't even feel bad for anything they do. Your, your conscience needs to keep convicting you. If you've lost conviction in your conscience, you're in danger. I'm telling you, you're in severe danger if your conscience is no longer convicting you from right and wrong. Severe danger. 
Danger of what? Danger of you at some point basically shoving Christ away completely. Titus, uh, turn to the right, a few pages, Titus 1, verse 15, or verse 13, this is some more Jewish stuff. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from, who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Meaning if, you're, if your lifestyle is ignoring your conscience all the time, you will be denying God. That's equal. Wow. Being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Well, I thought I was going to end on an up note. How many scriptures did I say we had left? Let's, let's see if we can end on an up note. Because we are going to have a meet and greet after church in the cafe. I don't want you to be so sad you can't come meet the leaders. Uh, praise the Lord. Let, let's, let's, let's go to Matthew 6. Uh, we'll, we'll do two more scriptures and then we'll be done. So listen fast. Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> praise the Lord. People say, I've never seen a preacher do this in church. I'm only used to people memorizing their whole sermons and doing it perfect every time. No, I like to him haw around about it. <laughs> Matthew 6, uh, here's just a little simple Sermon on the Mount, little, little text. I just, I don't know how I picked this. I was just reading this today. Uh, it talks about prayer. So you get a little prayer instruction from Jesus here, trying to take us away from old style, old traditional style from the law in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the carnal state of praying, which now that we're spiritual and alive unto God, man, everything's, everything's available. We can go into the spirit realm and just pray real stuff and, and see God move. But he says, verse 5, Matthew 6, 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So he's talking about outward show. You've seen people pray with outward show, haven't you? You've seen them perform with prayer. You could say anything spiritual. Watch me worship. Watch me pray. Don't do those things to be seen. Be very careful. If you have, if you have to pray in public, be very careful how you do it. Don't let yourself step over into, I need to do this so that they see, so that they hear. I need to show them how much I... Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go to your room... And when you shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain, reputation, vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So you don't have to go through all this ritual in prayer. It's ridiculous. He already knows. Verse 9, in this manner, therefore pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done now. You know, the, you know the prayer, right? How come you know the prayer? Because you've seen it on television 100,000 times. If you came from certain denominations, you say this just out of repetition. So you know he wasn't really saying, here, repeat this over and over for the rest of your life. Because he just said, don't use vain repetitions. There's principle in here. He was, he was teaching them to pray with principle. Making connection to spiritual truth, not to just say things, not to just rhyme it, not just to say it in unison together. That's not what he was saying here. So your conscience knows better. When you start getting vain in your praying, might as well just quit. Good word. 
You ever prayed and you're just kind of going through the motions how you pray? Have you ever stopped yourself and said, eh, I said that yesterday. Just kind of, you're just saying stuff to make yourself feel better. Be careful of that. Your conscience knows better. Get real with God. Like if you showed up every time you saw me and said the same old rehearsed little paragraph, I would be running from you. If your spouse just came in and, and always just said the little same old thing, that's what makes wives so mad at husbands. Husbands, you need to open up your, your communication and your verbal stuff, you know? You can't just say, fine. <laughs> You're just repeating yourself. Everything's good. Dig deeper. At least add one more sentence. Could you add one more sentence? All right, I'm trying to end here. Okay, Hebrews 10, we're going to end. Got to get out of here. All right. Praise the Lord. Listen, I want you to just remember that your conscience needs to be your governor, needs to be your leader, needs to be your guide. Your conscience can uh, accuse you or excuse you, lead you, guide you, stop you, start you, help you. It's the way the Holy Spirit gets messages to you. You want to be led by the Spirit? Start obeying your conscience. Today, when you go do what you're going to do, obey your conscience. Tomorrow, when you're talking to people, obey your conscience. Let your conscience stop you from saying the wrong things or help you bless when it's time. Hebrews 10, verse 20, verse 19. Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Don't shush your conscience. Don't shush your conscience. Now, I know that you're not going to be perfect in obeying your conscience. Anybody plan on being perfect? You can plan on it, but you won't be. If you're not perfect in obeying your conscience, you need an antidote. Like if you get hurt, you need a Band-Aid. If you scrape yourself, you need, you need some Mercurochrome. Yeah, I have, the, I have the gray hair to prove it. Don't be messing with me. <laughs> if you mess up your conscience, you need the antidote, which is, which is only the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is enough to quiet your conscience. When you blow it, you need to be honest. Your conscience will convict you. Convict you. you violated it. It convicts you. It lets you know, whoa, 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 no. Okay, only the blood can cleanse it. The blood of Jesus is the only reason that we can still live strong, even if we've messed up. So don't mess up. Stop messing up. Stop violating your conscience. But if you do, the blood of Jesus is your antidote. Verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You don't come into the holy place to pray with your merits, with I was good this week, God, now I need a new bicycle. You don't come into the prayer room with how good you were, nor how bad you were. The only permission slip getting into the holy place to talk with God is the blood. You approach God only because of the blood of Jesus. It's the only right you have. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Sprinkled with what? Sprinkled with the blood. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Stop there. You come into the holy place to talk with God and get your prayers answered. And you hold fast and you're strong because of your conscience. Faith in a good conscience will take you far. If you want to succeed in life, faith in a good conscience. And the blood of Jesus is the only way to keep it secure forever. Let me quote you this from E.W. Kenyon. He said, the blood of Jesus is enough to quiet the conscience. Now listen to this very closely. Listen to this very closely. I don't care if you don't like Kenyon or not. Listen to this very closely. Listen. 
The blood of Jesus is enough to quiet the conscience. Others have tried to quiet their conscience by going to church, doing penance, fasting, giving money, saying prayers, doing good deeds, giving up pleasures, confessing their sins, fighting bad habits, pulling themselves under discipline of self-denial and self-abasement by neglecting the body. Some have even taken long pilgrimages. There's been Christians who, to quiet their conscience, think, well, I'm going to go visit Israel. <clears throat> Only the blood can quiet your conscience. So let, your, let the blood of Jesus get inside you. Sprinkle it by faith. Let's do it like that. Let's do it together. Say this out loud. Just close your eyes. Say, I sprinkle the blood of Jesus over my conscience. Forgive me, God. Help me. Thank you. Amen. All right, now, if you prayed that sincerely, said those words, I can tell you right now, you're totally clean before God. You don't need to be conscious of any sin at this moment. At this moment, you're perfect. At this moment, you're in the holy place. You can get your prayer answered no matter what you have. All the bad Christians in here, perfect. All the good Christians, bad Christians are in the same throne room. Don't exempt yourself from God's throne room because you're a bad Christian. And don't think you have closer access because you're a good Christian. You're basing your access to God on how your behavior is. No, no, your conscience is clean because of the blood and only because of the blood. And now you can have perfect access to God. Now you need to develop some faith in the blood. And then you also need to develop with the Holy Spirit so that you can overcome all the things that are violating your conscience. You got lifestyle problems that are violating your conscience and ruining your faith. When your conscience accuses you of sin, your faith leaks out and you can't trust God properly and he can't answer your prayer. So that is one reason for unanswered prayer. Your lifestyle could be a reason for unanswered prayer. You're going to have to trust God in spite of your lifestyle until you get safe or saved from it. But then you need to start developing a right discipline in your life so that you stop violating your conscience. If you'll start obeying your conscience, the Lord will be able to lead you into victory at work, home, relationships, financial, health, receiving promises of God. But if you can't obey the simplest little thing that your conscience is telling you to do or not do, you're ignoring the word of God. All right. Everybody got it? All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.